Well, good uh, morning to all and um, no doubt everyone's had, well, I don't know, I could not make that assumption, but I would at least assume most have had a busy week, last few days and and all that goes with it and praise the Lord, but um, it's always good to come back into the house of God, amen? Get back into some normality and uh, come into God's presence amongst God's people and uh, hear the word of the Lord. Praise God. Now, as I was considering what to minister, I, you know, there's lots of things that always cross your mind. There's lots of issues that you kind of, you know, hear there and, you know, uh, topics and stuff in the Word of God and I was, and it's obviously Christmas period and it's the new year so there's always something you can touch upon. But um, as I was just pondering and praying and seeking God, just waiting for my mind really to be quickened as I do when I wait upon the Lord in relation to these things, I, I just had one word come into my spirit and it was the word Christ. And so, what was I going to preach on? Christ. <laughs> and so... It just kind of sounds very simple and it is, but you see when you begin to comprehend the depths of that, it is quite a profound um, uh, uh, issue to be considering in the word of God and so it's the issue of Christ that I want to talk about this morning, that we would see Jesus in a more uh, 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 more and more, it was, I think it was Roy Hessen who wrote that book, We Would See Jesus. Because there's something about uh, the, the refreshing, uh, the reality that comes when you see Jesus as he is. Not as we think he is, but as he is revealed to us in the word of God. And when we see him, when God shows us a glimpse, uh, a certain aspect of his nature or a truth or whatever it is that's associated with the word of God, how profound is that impact upon our lives and and so it's more and more that this is to become a reality for each of us as we're gathered here this morning. I remember many years ago as I was um, contemplating a number of things and as God was obviously beginning to awaken my mind to some various aspects in relation to Christ, I, I, I again I was just in prayer and it was like the Lord just spoke to my heart and, to, and said these words, the the, I mean, and remembering that the Bible has much typology associated with various aspects of Old Testament and New, and, um, uh, and said these words, the, the, the promised land is the full possession and apprehension of Christ. And the kind of, I, you know, because I had pondered on in various other aspects and not that there's one way of interpreting that, okay, there's various aspects but I saw it in that way and, and, and uh, as we grow into Christ and as we possess what is already ours in Christ because we know that God gave the promised land to the children of Israel as their inheritance, it was given to them but yet they had to go in and take possession of the land. And so too, in a, in a similar way, as we become Christians, we are born into Christ. We are, the inheritance is already ours, but that doesn't mean we've possessed all our possessions. And so there is a growing into Christ. There is a, a seeing Christ for more and more of who he is and what the word of God teaches us. And we grow into that and we are being transformed as the Bible refers to. So these are some of the things that 
We want to consider, if you can find in your Bible, Philippians chapter 3, that's where we're going to uh, uh, be referring to, but we're going to look at various other scriptures as well along the way, so make sure that you have your Bible open and ready as we consider some of these things. But the Bible is all about Christ. The Bible is about Christ, Christ and Christ. And if I, my, my, my message is entitled Christ. My first point is going to be Christ. My second point is going to be Christ. <laughs> and uh, again, I'm making the emphasis to make the point, obviously, but really this is what it's all about, that we would come to know him in, in, uh, because that's what eternal life is, that you would know God. And so uh, we are growing in the depth of our understanding and apprehension of things as we progress in the Christian life and the responsibility of the preacher, the responsibility of the men of God is to present every man perfect or mature in Christ Jesus. That's the challenge and uh, yet, uh, I mean, I see how I've been growing into it, not that I've attained, absolutely not in, 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 and neither have any of us in that, in that fullness but yet it is there, it is ours and we must be attaining to it, otherwise we will miss all that God has for us. I found this illustration once and I found it, uh, I, I thought it was, uh, and it's so apt in what we're talking about this morning. But a story was told of a man in England who, were, who went and saw the great orator Jay Parker preach. At the end of the sermon, the man said, perhaps the greatest preacher I've ever heard that evening he went to the Metropolitan Tabernacle to hear Charles Spurgeon. At the end he said, the greatest Christ I ever saw. And that really brings the distinction, the subtle distinction of what I want to make and the point that I want to make this morning, that you would see Christ for yourself. That your eyes would be opened, the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, that you would see uh, a, a, an aspect of God or Christ that you have not known or seen before, understood in, uh, in that way, and that God would make Himself known to each of us as we are here this morning. And so let's read our text and we'll kind of use this as our launching pad to examine the topic. But let's read from Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 through to verse 11. The Bible says, this is Paul the Apostle writing to the Philippian church and he says, But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, that I might gain Christ. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. And this is a very uh, revealing portion of text that we find here in the Bible. And Paul the Apostle couldn't have put it any better as we take a look at this because he talks about uh, the fact that he has gained Christ. 
But it's not only is he talking about that which he already possesses, but he's also expressing his desire and intention in life uh, and that is to know him, to see him more, to know the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, to identify with Christ in various ways. But you see, this is what it's all about. He says, I have, I have counted all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. Everything else, he says, I have counted as lost. It is so insignificant. It has no eternal value whatsoever that which relates to the things of this world compared with the excellence of the knowledge to the understanding, the comprehension, the revelation of Christ. He goes on to say that these things were, uh, in relation to his own life, he says, uh, uh, I count them, in verse 8, he says, I count them as rubbish, that I might gain Christ. Now that word rubbish is a, a, a revealing word in the Greek because it has two applications and the King James interprets it as dung. That's pretty self-explanatory. But Paul says, I count them as rubbish. And that word in the Greek denotes, according to the Greek dictionary, it says uh, excrement, that which is cast out from the body. Now, Paul is talking about here, when he says these words, he's, he's specifically referring to that which was associated with his Judaism and these, the self-righteousness that he had attained through the law and all that was associated with keeping the law and the various traditions that were associated with being a Jew and a Levite and all those things. He says, all those things that characterise my life, he says, I count them as rubbish. But you see also the word in the Greek also denotes and has another application. It says the, the leavings of a feast. Or in other words, this gives us a little bit more light because it's, the, it's talking about that which is thrown from the table. Now you'll remember Jesus gave that, uh, uh, there was this, there's a story in the Bible about the, 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 the Canaan woman from Canaan or that Syrophoenician woman, the Greek, who was there and... Uh, um, she was at the table and she's after some crumbs. And Jesus said, should we take those and give? Oh, and actually speaking, obviously, in the figurative sense here, but as, as she is wanting Jesus to do a miracle, he says, can I take the crumbs and uh, give them to the dogs? Yeah. No, he doesn't say that. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> not literally, but he, he, he's referring to this aspect. And in doing that, He's, 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 he's capturing the same essence of spirit by which the Gentiles in their faith had fed on stuff that was considered by the Jews as excrement, dung. It was their whole approach to religion, their idolatry, their practices, all that they had given themselves to in that sense. And so Paul now is, is referring to this word rubbish as he counts these things as dung. He's referring now in the, in, in the context of the excellence of the knowledge of gaining Christ himself. He says, I count all that is associated now and I had given myself to in, under the law and to the law as dung. And he's made a reversal. Very much a reversal because the, the Jews considered the, the Gentile Christians as dogs, so to speak. That they was, uh, the Jews considered themselves to be, seating, to be seated at God's banquet and the Gentiles were the ones that were the dogs eating the crumbs. But Paul puts it the other way around. And he reverses the image. 
because he says that all these things that he had been associated with, he counts them as loss, he counts them as rubbish, that I might gain Christ and be found in him not having my own righteousness which is from the law but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. You see, we know that religion is filled with so much rubbish in all of its various forms that you can be religious, you can have the form of religion and you can still not have the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus. That you can have all the forms of religion but still not know Christ. And we know that this is true. We see it time and time again. And so this is one aspect that Paul is referring to when he counts all these things as rubbish. And in the world today we have so much religion, we have so much that is associated with, with the so-called you know, Christianity, but, which is Christendom as such, but it's all done. It's all rubbish because nothing is as important as to the knowledge of Christ, to gain Christ to gain the righteousness of Christ. You see, in the world that we're living in, there's a lot of other things that you can consider dung as well, if you want to put it in that context. And they relate to, uh, there's so many things that can deviate the, the, the child of God away from that which is most important, which is Christ. Because there's a lot of things that you can give your life over to that want to get in the way of your relationship and your pursuit of God himself. And I say this because this temptation applies to us all and it has its application to our lives in various different ways. What may be applicable to you in one way might relate to the other person but they'll have something else. But there's just so many different things that can get in the way of our pursuit and our understanding and our knowledge of God. There's, you know, we can talk, there's the issue of TV and the things that people uh, give themselves to and the time that gets wasted watching the TV and the things that get observed that are unholy and unrighteous on the TV. There's, uh, you know, there's, uh, for, for the young generation, rather than reading the Word of God and studying, there can be a diversion away from these things into you know, playstations and games. And, and uh, these things are not evil in and of themselves, although some of them are, mind you, but... Um, but the point being is, is that they can divert a person away from that which is most fundamental and important. So these things can be considered as done. <laughs> I, this is, I found this, uh, mobile phones, how's this one? Mobile phones, uh, I found this illustration and it said this, ever wonder what would happen if we treated our Bibles like we treat our cell phones or mobile phones? What if we carried it around in our purses or pockets? What if we flipped it through it several times a day? <laughs> what if we turned back to get it if we forgot it? What if we use it to receive messages from the text? <laughs> what if we treated it like we couldn't live without it? Now, what if we gave it to kids as gifts? What if we, this is about the word of God, what if we used it when we, travel, when we travelled? What if we used it in case of emergency? See, this is something to make you go, mm, where is my Bible? Make you stop and think about your priorities. Because, you know, the mobile phone, is, I mean, I, I know myself, okay? I'm not saying it's one or the other, but you see, the reality is, is that these things can supersede 
and they can take over and divert people's hearts, affections away. And you know, our whole emphasis is this thing, but hey, what about the Word of God? What about the pursuit of Christ? What about having quiet time with the Lord? What about making sure that you're, you're seeking God? And you can be so, you know, do you get so, do, do, are you trying to read your Bible to get a message from the text? I just got a text from the Lord. <laughs> because if we read the Bible, God will speak to us. If we take the time to seek God, you'll be surprised that the words of Scripture will begin to come alive and you'll start to receive messages from God. And, uh, yet, and so I illustrate all of these things to show that these things are not the most important because the most important thing, all these things ultimately are done. All these things ultimately are lost. They are rubbish, as Paul says, compared to the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ or in other words, that you would have a genuine, real revelation of who Jesus is. Because that's, as a, as a man of God, as a pastor, I have observed over the years and I see the shallowness sometimes in people's lives. I see that uh, uh, even amongst the, the youth who, are grow, who grow up in Christian homes and in, and in the church and yet you see and you think and it scares me and it scares me that the fact that when they, they don't have a clear grasp or an understanding of Christ. You see, we're talking about Christ, whether Christ is preeminent or prominent in your life. Do you know that when we consider the word prominent, we think, oh yeah, Christ is prominent in my life, but you know what? God doesn't settle for second best. He doesn't want to be prominent in your life. Prominent means that he's one one of the most important compared to another. But the fact is that Christ has to be preeminent in, your, in our lives in that he must be first. He must sit as Lord. He is Lord, Master. And, and, and in that context, uh, we, he is preeminent in my life. He is preeminent. He's not just prominent because you, he, doesn't ta- he doesn't accept that. He is Lord of all. And this is the attitude of heart that we, we must possess. You see, in verse 9, Paul the Apostle is obviously speaking about the righteousness that is through Christ, through faith in Jesus Christ, and that's his standing and his position in Christ. That's the first and foremost revelation, obviously, that we need of Christ. But in verse 10, he's stipulating his desire, his intention, the pursuit of his life is to grow in that knowledge, to grow in that understanding of Christ, to know him. Now, you would think in writing this, this man and his other letters, he already knows so much, but yet he knows not enough. And how true it is that, you know, uh, the, the Bible is so shallow that a child can swim in it, but it's so deep that theologians drown in it. The deeper you go into the Word of God, the realise the depths of it, and you go, oh my God, this Christ. So, we have to understand the issue of Christ this morning. I'm not talking about the Christian life. I'm talking about Christ. There's such a difference here. There's such a difference. 
There are those uh, that do not have the knowledge of Christ. Even in this assembly, I would dare say that is the case. There may be people here, you do not have the excellence of the knowledge of Christ. You might know about Christ. You've heard about him your whole life, but that does not mean that you have that knowledge of Christ that you must require. Oh, I know heaps about God. It doesn't matter what you know about God, you still may not know him. And have you apprehended, do you have that excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus that Paul is referring to? Do you see Christ as he really is this morning? You see, there's the elementary aspects that are associated with Christ, but then there's the further apprehension and appropriation of Christ. And so many continue to feed on milk. So many continue to fall short of God's all that God has for us. And this is the challenge. This is what I want to stir our hearts towards this morning. If there's anything that I can say is that one, we would catch a glimpse of Christ, but two, that we would set our hearts in alignment to continue to pursue unto the, the, uh, the fullness, if you want to put it that way, of Christ as found in the scripture, that we would continue that pursuit. Don't pull back. Don't drift away. Don't be drawn aside. But set your affections upon Christ. Set your affections upon the kingdom of God. Seek him with all your heart. Love him with all your heart. And as you do that, uh, you will see Christ as the scripture reveals him. So let's look. Paul talks about this in verse 10 he says that I may know him. This is the, the desire of his heart. And then he talks about the practical aspects of his life. Now listen to this, read verse 12 with me. He says, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid a hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore let us, as many as are mature, have this mind and if, any, if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Paul is setting his life in this pursuit. He says, I'm going to continue to, to seek God. I'm going to continue to set my life up in order and in such a way that my life is seeking the upward call of God. Because if you're going to know Christ, if you're going to see Christ as he is in the Bible, then you're going to have to, like Paul, set yourself to seek him. You're going to have to align your life to pursue him. It's not enough just to go through the religious motions from week to week because you can still find yourself at such a far distance. You can't just depend on coming to church once a week. You have to seek God. So let's look a little further here. I want to highlight a couple of things. Because in the New Testament, there's a phrase that you'll find, and it's the phrase, all in all. All in all. And it appears a couple of times in the New Testament, and there's actually three times. And uh, this is, again, capturing this emphasis, all in all, that Christ would be all in all. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 58, talks about obviously the culmination of time where the enemies will be uh, put under, subjected to Christ and then the Bible talks about this and that God will be all in all. This is what it's all about, church. 
1 Corinthians again, chapter 12, speaks about the diversity of gifts as it relates to the body and the edification of the body. But the Bible says it's the same God who works all in all. There is God that is all in all. It's all consuming. All consuming. This is what it's about. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 23, it refers to the body again, that the fullness of him who feels all in all. You see, we're not talking about prominence, we're talking about preeminence. We're talking about God filling all in all. We're talking about Christ in us and the fullness of that beginning to manifest itself because you see, we can grieve the Holy Spirit of God. We can quench the Spirit of God and when doing so, we forfeit the fullness, we forfeit the inheritance of that, the fullness of our inheritance that God wants to, has for us in Christ Jesus. See, I'm talking about the supremacy, I'm talking about the centrality, I'm talking about the sufficiency of Christ, all in all. Actually, turn to Colossians, it's right there, if you're still open in Philippians, just go to chapter 3, I want you just to read with me, verse 1 to 11, I'm going to read a few scriptures just to highlight this. But verse 1 of chapter 3, book of Colossians, If then you were raised with Christ... With Christ. Seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting, or Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Now set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. There's so much here that can be, can be referred to. I mean, the, the revelation in here is profound. Christ is our life. Our life is hidden with Christ. Set your mind, set your affection, set everything on, on that which is above, the scripture says. And then in doing so, verse 5, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Uh, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with the, and his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. You see, this is the process. This is a, uh, having put on the new man, but it continually, this is the issue of sanctification, of the renewing of the mind as we grow into Christ. Now listen to verse 11, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all in all. Christ is all in all. You see, because that is what it's all about. Christ all in all. And when we begin to understand that, we sing that song, uh, what song is it? Jesus, Lamb of God. You, you know, uh, you were my all in all. And it's easy to sing those songs, but you must grasp this, the reality of Christ being all in all. Because that is what it's all about. You see, uh, there's, there's two aspects to the Christian life, and this is what you must grasp. It's all that Christ is to the believer, and all that the believer is in Christ. 
And when you, understand, when you begin to uh, understand both of those dynamics, then the, the, it'll have a profound effect upon your spiritual walk and your relationship with Jesus Christ. Who lives in you? Christ. Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. And again, in relation to that aspect of the law, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who gave himself for me. Do you ever stop and ponder that Christ lives in you? All in all. You see, it's all in all. God doesn't live in you to have some of you. He lives into you to possess all of you. And until he possesses all of you, you cannot possess all of him. You see, there's the Christ factor of who Christ is to the believer and there's the I factor in relation to who I am in Christ. Colossians chapter 2 verse 6 It says, As you therefore have received Christ You see, you have received Christ So the Lord, so walk in him rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught abounding in it with thanksgiving. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of man, according to the basic, basic principles of the world and not according to Christ. To Christ. You see, this is not just some mystical thing, although there is an actual mystical element to it. But there is a, there's a very practical application to what we're talking about. For Verse 9 of Colossians says, For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. You are complete in him, in Christ. Christ in me, I in Christ. And not only that, when you begin to understand the Bible there, and all that that represents, you know, if you have Christ, you have everything. The scripture tells us in 1 Corinthians uh, 1 verse 30 that Christ has become to us uh, for those who are listen who are, for those who are in Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom from God righteousness from God sanctification and redemption this is all that Christ is to us and the preacher's responsibility is to make Christ known this is what Paul said when he said that he's uh, he, him we preach in Colossians 1.28 him we preach warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus that's the ministry of, primarily of discipleship it incorporates other aspects but without this foundation th- this is where uh, the Christian life can run off the rails when you separate the practical aspects away from the centrality of Christ and the sufficiency of Christ, this is when Christians run into problems. I know this because I've been there. But you see, Paul says, he says, to this end I also labour, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily as a minister of the gospel. So there's this aspect of progression. That's why in Galatians chapter 4, when Paul's writing to the Galatians and they have fallen into error and they are uh, under the deception of false teachers, Paul writes and he says, My little children, in Galatians 4 verse 19, My little children for whom I labour in birth again until Christ is formed. Christ is formed. 
You see, there's so many references to this, isn't it? That we must see it. This is, the, this is what God's working towards, that we may be found in him, complete, perfect, lacking nothing. Romans 8.28 says, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined. The predestinating factor is to be conformed to the image of his Son, that we might, he might be the firstborn among many brethren. That word conform means again to fashion that we are being conformed to the image of Christ, that from glory to glory we are being transformed. It's all about Christ. It's all about growing into Christ. It's all about knowing Christ. Christ is everything, church. He is our holiness. He is our righteousness. He is our sanctification. Yes, there is a practical aspect uh, that it relates to sanctification that has to do with our works and our efforts and we have to pursue righteousness. We have to, but when you lack the foundation of Christ, then that's what leads many people up the garden path and that's in holiness movements and things like that. The intent and desire can be right, but when you lack that foundation, I tell you, you're heading for a fall. And I've seen it, and, uh, and the reality is, is the important factor must be Christ. There's no other foundation that one can be laid, which is Christ. Gosh, isn't it amazing? It's just Christ, Christ, and Christ. It's everywhere. And as we begin to see this through the Scriptures, this is, the, this is what the Christian life fundamentally is about. We must be rooted in Christ alone. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Listen to it. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry and for the edifying of the body of Christ. You see, there's the two, the two factors, the work of the ministry and the edifying of the body of Christ. But you see, when, when, it, when it all becomes the work of the ministry without the edifying of the body of Christ into Christ, oh, the dangers of that are, uh, are things we don't even want to touch upon. But verse 13, he says, Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we would come to maturity in Christ. It's not the Christian life, it's Christ. And you must see him. Otherwise, if you, go, if you think you're just going through the Christian life and the motions of church, you've missed it. You don't know Christ. You don't have the excellence of the knowledge of Christ because if you did, you'd count everything else as rubbish. You would, your affections would be pulled away from this and that. You won't give yourself for some of the things of the world that have so stolen your heart. Because once you get a revelation of this Christ, your life is transformed. Verse 14 of Ephesians 4, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. It's profound. You see these things and that is what it's all about. Now I want to just ask ourselves this question this morning as we're here in the presence of God. See, our greatest need is to see Christ. 
you know, even when you hear the preacher and there's children, even when you hear your parents, it's got to go beyond the parents. It's got to go beyond the preacher. You've got to see Christ, church. You've got to know Christ. You've got to see Christ, that you would see Jesus because I tell you now, that will transform your life. Now it'll shift It'll shift all your motivations. It'll, shift, it'll, it'll correct and align your decisions and why you do what you do. It's not that as now I'm not just doing it because of, for this or for that, but it's because I love Jesus. Because I want Christ. I want this fullness. I, like Paul, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. I want him, Lord, and as you set yourself to seek him, oh God, he will open your understanding. You will see things in the scriptures that you never had seen before. You've looked at this book, you've seen it, but I tell you, until God shows it to you and then you see it by way of revelation, it will change. It will change your whole understanding of, Christian, of Christianity because you have seen Christ. You see, Paul in our text is demonstrating an, an appropriate disposition towards the Christian life. Not only in his pursuit of Christ, which is what I've, the emphasis as I've been making this morning, but also when it comes to the issues that relate to the Christian life. You know what, if I was to say, as we ask ourselves, what is God's will for me? What does God want me to do? Paul the Apostle was apprehended by Christ and he said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Lord. You see, preeminent. Not prominent, preeminent. Lord, what do you want me to do? And as he got a revelation of Christ and as he got a revelation of the will of God for his life, uh, he was a changed man and he set himself to seek first the kingdom of God. And as in doing so, this is the disposition of his life and this is the challenge for even us that are older here today. You know, we haven't attained, have we? We're never, you're never too old. You don't reach the point of retirement, amen, but you come to a place where you say you've got to continue to press on towards the high call of God. I need to lay a hold of Christ for that which he has laid a hold of me. I must continue to set myself to seek God. I must continue to set myself to pursue him. And this has to be your disposition because if it's not, then we will, all of us are in danger. All of us can drift. All of us can, you know, pull back. And we all have to face these temptations. We all have the same trials and testings because human nature is human nature and God uses all of these things to bring us back onto that narrow path, to bring us back, amen, to where he wants us to be. That we would say, yes, Lord, have your way in me. So what is the will of God for your life? Because don't get caught up in all the dung. Don't get caught up in all the rubbish. I'm not saying, you know, maybe God would say to you, you know, you need to get rid of that. It's not helpful. It's not holy. Maybe it's, a, you know, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. You know, if you need to be ruthless, be ruthless. If you can be disciplined, be disciplined. But whatever it takes, amen, to get it right with God and to get where God wants you to be, do whatever it takes. People say, oh, you're being too fanatical. No, no, you're not. 
No, you're not. Because I tell you, it'll bless you. Actually, I'm going to say this. My son goes to me the other day, Dad, he, lost, he left his photo. I didn't have it for four hours. He goes, so I felt like I was a different man. Because, you know, beep, 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 beep. What's going on? I'm just a group chat. Like, come on, man, disconnect from that virtual reality and get to life. Now, again, I'm not against these things fundamentally. I have a phone. I like to check it. I like to text. I do all those things. But what I'm saying is these things, there's dangers in these things. And especially if, we, if it causes us to neglect the Word of God. You know, that's why I read that illustration because when our heart and affections are centred on something, oh, it doesn't matter what time of the night it is, doesn't matter when it is, we just find where there's a will, there's a way. Well, how about we set our will? He who wills to do his will, he shall know the doctrine. You will see Christ in a way to the casual observer, they have not seen him nor know him. And that's what I'm talking about this morning. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let's leave it there. Let's pray. Father, we just come before you this morning, Lord. I pray, God, that these words would ring true in all of our hearts, God, because in, it, it, unto each of us it has an application. And I'm trusting, God, I'm asking, Lord, and trusting that your Spirit would speak to each of us, God. Search our hearts. David said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead us into the paths of everlasting life. But what a serious prayer it must be, Lord. Because I know, Lord, if we sincerely pray this prayer, you will deal with us. You will put your finger on areas of our lives. We will be challenged. We will be convicted. But, Lord, let us be willing, God, to do whatever it takes. Let us be willing, God, to take up our cross daily and follow you. To die under self, Lord, and to live unto Christ. That Christ live in me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, I could say to us this morning these words, do do you have Christ? But really that's not the appropriate phrase. The, the, The right terminology is this, does Christ have you? Does Christ have you this morning? So let's just take some time to meditate upon the Lord, pray. We're going to sing that song. Can we sing, Pastor Wonder, that song, Search Me, O God, and Know My Heart Today? As we just take the time to wait upon the Lord.